0: This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 201 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is sponsored by Equestrian Collections, for the whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. Enjoy today's tip. This is Glenda Geek from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome back to Horse Tip Daily. Well, today we have back with us one of our most popular guests. Uh, People do like veterinary tips. And we have her on with us most weeks now, and she is Dr. Jenny Johnson. Uh, She is a veterinarian. She runs the Oak Hill Shockwave and Veterinary Chiropractic Clinic that's based in Calabasas, California. And she's a regular contributor to the new Jumping Radio Show, which is part of the Horse Radio Network. And this tip is taken off of Episode 10 and is co-hosted by Chris Stafford. And it's a first in a series of tips on lameness. So I think you're going to enjoy these. She's very thorough. And the reports I've been getting back from emails and and calls are that people absolutely love how she explains things. So we're going to keep... Posting them here on the Horse Radio Network at Horse Tip Daily. But before we do that, we need to speak about our friends at Equestrian Collections. If you're looking for anything, whether it's clothing for you, clothing for your kids, clothing for your husband, or you're looking for products for your horse or your barn, you can find it all at EquestrianCollections.com. Equestrian Collections has what you're going to need at a price you can afford. And you know, they used to be known just for their clothing and that they carry so much of. Uh, so much of a different variety of it. But now they're also becoming known for their tack. They have a huge variety of tack, and they have barn supplies and pretty much anything you're looking for. They also carry some Western products. They carry the complete Wrangler line, so no matter what you're looking for, try Equestrian Collections first. Take a look at them first to see if they have what you're looking for, and give them a shot. We think you're going to fall in love with EquestrianCollections.com. And next time you're checking out, you can get ten dollars off your next order of one hundred twenty dollars or more by using the coupon code TEN discount. That's one zero discount at checkout and you'll get ten dollars off your next order of one hundred and twenty dollars or more just for listening to the horse radio network and now on to dr johnson and chris stafford from the jumping radio show
1: dr jenny johnson as you know has been running a regular series here on the jumping radio show and she has another really useful tip this week so let's hear from dr johnson well hi jenny how are you this week Oh,
2: i'm excellent chris how about you
1: good thank you yeah absolutely it's getting a busy time of the year and i know there's lots of horses that are getting ready to come into the outdoor season here um in in various parts of the country if they haven't had the benefit of uh, california or florida weather this winter they're thinking about uh, jumping outdoors now so uh, what have you got up your sleeve for us this week to help them uh, in terms of veterinary
2: tips Well, I'd like to start this week a series, Chris, on uh, lamenesses in the jumping horse, lameness in general in the jumping horse. I think this is a very... A timely topic, as you said, frequently uh, this time of year when the horses are getting back into shape and getting fit and getting um, closer to their competition schedule we 'll start to see little issues with lameness here and there and it 's certainly a topic that at one time or another almost every owner trainer rider has dealt with in their horses so i 'd really like to i 'm going to have a series. Um, discussing various lamenesses that are common in the jumping horse, but today I'd like to start it with a discussion of the lameness exam itself. What to expect during a lameness exam, when is a lameness exam indicated, what can we learn from that exam, and, and then what do we do with that information. And first I'd like to start with the terminology. Uh, frequently, in practice, I would refer to it more as a soundness evaluation as opposed to a lameness exam. Many people are are put off by the terminology lameness exam because they'll feel that their horse is not lame, and I think that's a valid point. If you think about lameness and soundness, it re- they're really two points on a on a straight line or a continuous line. And you start, assuming you start from soundness, it's very rare that you jump to lameness in a single instant unless you have uh, you know, a very obvious traumatic incident. Um, more commonly, you'll have gradual and fairly subtle changes along this line from moving away from soundness and towards lameness. But you're fairly far along that line and fairly far away from soundness and closer to lameness when you start to see clinical signs. Now the value of doing a soundness evaluation is that with the benefit of the skills and trained eye of a, of a veterinarian skilled and accustomed to working with jumping horses, many times there can be subtle findings on a soundness evaluation that are indicative of um, impending changes that might lead to lameness. So. It's, it's more about, I like to think of it as more about, what can we find out about the horse before the horse is showing us clinical signs? What can we change? What can we address while the horse is still reasonably comfortable and reasonably happy doing their job before we have clinical signs? It's much easier uh, to treat a horse that's sound than it is to treat one that's lame. And I think it's important for the owners and riders and trainers to be a part of this team because those are the people that see the horse every day. They're the ones that have the hands on the horse, they're riding the horse. They know that horse inside and out. So the information that they have about that horse is invaluable to the veterinarian. The owners or the riders and the trainers are going to be able to, they're the ones that will be able to say, there's a little bit of filling every now and then in this, in this tendon area. The horse isn't traveling as well as he used to. The stride has shortened a little bit. Hmm, I've noticed that he's carrying his head a bit higher around the course. Or we're having trouble with our lead changes. All of those types of signs are an indication that the horse is not as comfortable as he could be. And in order for a horse to do his job well, he has to be comfortable. And it's our job as, as the, the people around that horse to do everything we can to make sure that horse is comfortable. We ask a lot of them, and you know our, our responsibility is to keep them as comfortable as possible. So I think that's sort of where I'd like to start from, and I'd like to um, just give our listeners a little I- a little idea about what to expect during the LANGS exam, assuming or, or soundness evaluation. And... Again, I'd like to reiterate. I think this is something that, for most competitive horses, should be a regular event. Now, how often it's going to take place really is going to depend on the individual horse, the horse, um, the horse's problems or particular issues that that horse may have, as well as uh, the competition schedule and workload that that horse has. Now, moving into the soundness evaluation or the lameness exam, what what can we expect? I think before any exam is is started, there are a few considerations that have to be um, addressed. If the horse is competing, we have to consider if any of the diagnostic tests or treatment that we may propose, if any of those will have an effect on the horse's ability to compete. And here, a knowledge of the competition rules and the drugs and medication guidelines is essential. Now, for most people competing, they will have access to a veterinarian who's experienced in the discipline of jumping, but in some of the more rural areas of the United States, that may not be the case. And I think it's imperative that the owners and the riders and the trainers themselves become intimately familiar with the guidelines of the governing body that they're competing under. If they're competing under the United States Equestrian Federation guidelines, then they should go to the USEF website and look under the drugs and medications guidelines and become very familiar with what the guidelines are under the USEF rules and it's important because whoever signs the entry blank is responsible for the condition of that horse and so they're responsible for knowing those drugs and medications guidelines so I recommend don't rely entirely upon your veterinarian to know all of those guidelines be Uh, educated yourself as the owner or the rider or the trainer. I think that's important. So going into the evaluation, what what are the questions that need to be asked before anything is done? Uh, Some of the questions initially are, you know, has the horse recently competed? Has there been a change in the horse's exercise? Has there been a change in the intensity or the duration of the exercise? Does the horse have a new trainer? When was the horse last shot? If the horse is traveling away from home, Has he been examined by a veterinarian other than his usual veterinarian? If that's the case, uh, what types of tests have been done and what treatment has been given, if any? Those are all important questions to answer before going into the exam. Now, the exam itself uh, really begins as the horse has walked out of his stall or out of his paddock. Frequently, that initial period can give the veterinarian some very uh, specific clues about what's going on with the horse. It can give a subtle information as to which limb may be affected. From there, the veterinarian typically will do a a palpation or examination of every limb. Again, if it's very obvious which leg the horse is lame in, it may not uh, be necessary to to palpate or evaluate every limb, but typically, particularly when you're doing a soundness evaluation, uh, you will be palpating each limb individually, making a note of any variations from what would be considered normal any pain or heat or swelling on any of those limbs next the horse will be examined at a trot both on a straight line and likely on small circles typically on the lunge line. This may be done on firm footing as well as soft footing because frequently the horse will handle those types of footings differently and in many cases it's a good idea to see the horse being ridden uh, if the horse is, is not so lame that it can't be ridden, obviously. Uh, frequently, some of the more subtle abnormalities are only visible when the horse is ridden. And again, there may be additional palpation or examination of the limbs after seeing the horse move. Frequently, those two parts of the puzzle are very important. It's, it's nice to have the information of what the legs feel like before you see the horse move and then after having seen how the horse moves the examiner may want to go back and re-examine specific areas more carefully. The next thing that's probably most common in most soundness evaluations or lameness exams are the flexion tests. Certainly we're probably all familiar with the dreaded flexion test during the pre-purchase exam and they're very useful in lameness and si- soundness evaluations. The flexion test basically consists of the examiner holding up and flexing a portion or all of the of a specific limb for a minute, and then having the horse jog off away from them and back towards them, evaluating the horse for any change in gait. And certainly, there's this is a very qualitative test. Some horses will respond um, quite it, it respond as if they're quite painful uh, from this exam, and others may not respond at all so it's this is certainly an area of judgment and it has to be interpreted carefully the other important aspect of flexion tests is to understand that they're not very specific when you flex a, uh, say you flex flex a lower limb you're flexing you know the coffin joint the pasture joint the fetlock it's impossible to isolate those joints out individually so it's it more gives you an idea as to the region that's involved as opposed to a specific structure or specific joint. Uh, Another aspect that's important to evaluate is the horse's response to hoof testers. Hoof testers are applied all around the uh, bottom of the hoof, hoof, across the frog, across the heels, and evaluated for any type of hoof pain. The next thing that, or, or something that should be considered all during this exam and will be part of the thought process of the veterinarian is to evaluate the horse not only for lameness, but also for neurologic abnormalities. Many times a horse can have neurologic abnormalities, which is really an an inability or or a deficit in knowing where their limbs are or their balance or where they exist in space. Uh, Sometimes those neurologic abnormalities can mimic a lameness. And so it's important for the veterinarian to be Considering that, as well as the possibility of lameness during the exam, so after the preliminary portion of the exam, where the horses examined, you know, manually palpated, watched uh, under saddle or watched on the lunge line, flexion tests have been done frequently. The next step is what's called diagnostic nerve blocks, and with a di- what a diagnostic nerve block is is uh, an, a small volume of anesthetic, local anesthetic, say carbocaine, which is similar to novocaine that's used at the dentist's office, uh, will be applied around a specific nerve. And what that does is it removes the feeling in a specific area or relatively specific area so that the examiner can decide if that area is affected by lameness. So, for example, if you're doing what's called a, a caudal heel block or a, or a um, palmar digital nerve block, which is basically blocking the heels of the, um, of the foot, if you block those, there's two nerves on the back of the foot. If those are blocked, what the veterinarian will do will be put a little local anesthetic around each one of those nerves, typically wait 15 minutes or so, and then watch the horse move again and see if the lameness has changed. If the lameness has resolved with that, Diagnostic nerve block, then it tells the veterinarian that the lamus is in the area that was blocked out by that nerve block. So it would likely be in the foot somewhere. Now, again, the diagnostic nerve blocks have to be interpreted be- with care as well because the anesthesia or the anesthetic agent. Can travel it doesn't stay exactly in one spot, so it can move a little bit above where it was given and may block out areas that weren't necessarily intended to be blocked and the other issue is that the the anatomy of the nerves of each horse varies a little bit, so those are not um, exactly specific but very, very useful in helping to localize a lameness and then once the once the lameness is localized either through more obvious signs or through the diagnostic nerve blocks, then the next decision is what type of diagnostic imaging may be necessary, if any. And we have at our disposal now quite an extensive array of diagnostic uh, imaging capabilities that certainly improved over the last 20 years and uh, has really enhanced our ability as veterinarians to get a better picture of what's going on in the horse that's lame. We have, of course, x-rays or radiographs. We now have the benefit of digital radiographs, which is wonderful because we can take views and and see the results of those uh, views right at the side of the horse. So if we need to take additional views, they can be done immediately. The other benefit, of course, is that those images can be emailed to uh, experts all over the world almost instantly for them to review and get other opinions on uh, abnormal findings. We also have, of course, ultrasound which is useful for evaluating soft tissue structures. Uh, we also have, of course, nuclear scintigraphy, which is more commonly referred to as a bone scan. That's sometimes used to evaluate um, if an area is inflamed. We also have uh, magnetic resonance imaging, MRI, and, and we also have thermography, which is being used here and there in lameness evaluations. And And those Diagnostic imaging modalities really can help us tremendously to uh, gain an understanding of if there's a specific pathology, what the pathology is, what the degree of pathology is, and uh, where it fits in this continuum from normal to abnormal. I would caution, however, again, though, that these imaging findings must be interpreted in light of the clinical findings. You can certainly find many abnormalities on your imaging that may not be significant. Uh, they may not be normal, but they may not be causing pain in this specific individ- individual. So I cannot overemphasize the importance of the clinical exam. That still is your most important aspect of the examination. The, uh, the imaging studies um, go in concert with that. So that's, that's kind of a basic overview of what to expect from the exam, when we would do it, uh, what types of information we can get, and what the process of the exam is itself. And I think that will lead us into the to the remainder of the series that I'd like to continue on in future weeks. And next week, I'd like to talk a bit about what are some of the specific signs for the owner to see uh, to help the owner identify what's going on with the horse. What are the what does the owner need to look for, the rider, the trainer, look for uh, on the horse? And how can those signs lead them to an understanding of where the horse is uncomfortable? And then we'll also start uh, probably discussing lamenesses in the foot in, in jumping horses.
1: Well, fascinating, Jenny. You know, I love this stuff, and I know our listeners do now. And we uh, should, should remind our listeners that we also use these t- tips from Dr. Jenny Johnson on our Horse Tips Daily So you can listen to them on there and uh, also, of course, our series of of, uh, veterinary tips here on the Jumping Radio Show. You can also hear them, the past episodes, if you miss anything, by going back to our website, jumpingradio.com. Jenny, thank you so much again. This is always instructive and I always look forward to our, our tips. You always learn something.
2: Well, thank you, Chris. I'm happy to do them a lot of fun. Well, we'll be
1: back again next week with a follow-up, as we said, in this series uh, for uh, Lameness. And uh, thanks again, Jenny. We'll uh, talk to you again next week.
2: Looking forward to it. Thanks, Chris.
0: Well, thank you to Chris and Dr. Johnson, and we'll, of course, continue to bring this series on lameness to you as well here at Horse Tip Daily. If you want to check out the Jumping Radio Show, it's at jumpingradio.com. This was taken off of Episode 9. That's Episode 9 of the Jumping Radio Show. That's where you can find this uh, particular tip, as well as the rest of the show if you want to listen in. And uh, don't forget that you can find all of our shows on the network at horseradionetwork.com. And I'll be back again tomorrow with another new episode and a different horse tip until then stay safe everyone